Welcome back to another episode of the Coys R Us podcast. Joel's here with Jesse. He's back for episode 54. Spurs are not back because we have, believe it or not, another international break. I don't, how many more of these are we going to have to have, Jesse? I don't I don't understand. It feels like there's more every season, like they're adding it, them. Am I making that up? I feel the same about these international breaks as I feel about now that my daughter's in kindergarten and you're obviously in the education game. Maybe this makes more sense to you or you're used to it. But I'm like, my daughter started kindergarten the Monday after Spurs started their season. Now here in Memphis, we've got a week long fall break. And it's like, we've already (laughs) had two international breaks. What are we taking a break from? We've barely been playing soccer. We've barely been doing kindergarten. We don't need the break. Bring me more Tottenham. Bring me more kindergarten. But yeah, it feels (laughs) feels like it's a lot, um, especially like when we're just nine, 10 months removed from a World Cup. So I don't, I mean, you know, not that that the international breaks are always tied to the major tournaments, but it does feel a little bit, uh, a little bit surprising to have, have one here. But I tell you what, it's uh it's a nice time kind of like we talked about last season on the pod when it was like you know we during that world cup break we were still in the champions league because there was that long break where it was like right yeah we're still in guess what we've got whatever this is going to be two weeks before the next match top of the table i will take all the days at the top of the table that the uh the scheduling um machinations will uh will allow so uh, yeah, not thrilled that we're having our second one, but thrilled that we get to be, you know, the 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 talk of the the talk of the league, um, you know, uh, for another couple of weeks. I think what's even stranger about this particular break is that it seems like a lot of the teams aren't even necessarily playing for something. Like there are, you know, usually international breaks, you have Nations League or you have CONCACAF or you have whatever, uh, Euro Euro qualifications. There's some of those going on. Then you have some teams that are just like playing friendlies. Like Wales had a friendly earlier today where they actually played at Wrexham Stadium. Then I was reading some article about how the German team is taking a couple of friendlies. Um, They're playing the US and Mexico and Tuchel is pissed because he's like, Half my players are basically going to be traveling to another continent for two friendlies that don't even have anything to do with. Anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole. But, um, yeah, I, you mentioned Spurs being top of the table, which is kind of the talk of the town, at least amongst Spurs fans. The fact that we are still at the top of the pre- Premier League. We've had the strongest start to a season since 60-61, which is our famous winning the double year. I guess my question is, how much stock should we really be putting in us being top of the table after eight matches with 30 left to go? Is it, is it actually a sign of something or is it just something that we can use to piss off the fans of other teams? Things can be two things, Joel. It can be both. It absolutely can be a sign of, of some things because I think a lot of the underlying statistics are also showing that, hey, this is a, this is a good team. But as we remember, it was... Uh, I don't remember exactly how deep what match week it was, but I feel like it was in around Thanksgiving, early December in Mourinho's second year that we were top of the table, um, you know, even a few matches deeper than this. So 
No, it's not by any stretch of like, oh yeah, cash your bets if you had Spurs winning the league or let's start, you know, getting sized for rings if they even do that. Um, but it's definitely and, and if and if I'm correct, that was a season we finished seventh. Seventh. Yeah. So it's it's not we've been here before, we've been here deeper. Yeah, for sure. This is not, you know, the the end of it, uh, or you know, anything close to it, but I think it's it's you know, some of those underlying statistics, and I'm trying to find a tweet that I saw earlier today. To, to back that stuff up. But uh, I think, you know, yeah, a lot of those underlying statistics are, are showing, you know, that like, Hey, this, this might be a little bit uh, more sustainable um, again, not sustainably like locked in, but uh, all of our predictions, you know, heading into the season were uh, the most optimistic of us, which was obviously me, but also Kimmy and Ben were, were saying fifth and uh, and you said six. So we were, you know, I think that's a pretty good representation of where, Spurs fans would be some of the talk was, you know, with, uh, with Angela's, Oh yeah. We're, uh, you know, I think John said it on the, on the last episode of like, well, you know, Angela's usually going to take a year. So we might get, we might get banged around a little bit. And there. he said that himself. Yeah. And it's going to take, again, there's 30 matches left. We are what a quarter into the season, you know, roughly. So there's a long, long time to go. And there's a lot of things that can still happen, but um yeah, it's definitely encouraging. And like I said, a lot of those underlying statistics. And I think the other thing too is, you know, what we what we didn't expect, you know, to see maybe uh quite as quickly happening were, you know, the how how well the defense has been playing together. Not that we're, you know, clean sheet FC by any stretch, but um there was a little bit more leakiness early. And it seems like a lot of that stuff's gotten gotten buttoned up where and we know especially not only newer defenders newer defenders and, and goalkeeper playing together and in a new system that also likes to play it out from the back so there have been some of those nervy moments we've escaped a lot of it already like you know doggy's past that looked like he was playing for liverpool a couple of weeks ago and there's been some shaky things but the defense has been encouraging and 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 the the you know anti-spursiness of just seeing the 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 metal uh, and grit to come back from these situations where it looks like, hey, we're down a man, and and even on the scorecard against Luton Town, but we found a way to get a goal. We're putting everything at the goalkeeper except one past him against Sheffield, and then we're finding ways to win in the hundred and third, hundred and eighth minute, whatever the 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 things were there. So you know we're finding some of these extra ways to win, and I think that's the stuff that that can builds consistency and and like not to get you know too too much on the on the culture but just right we've talked so much about how the vibes are so much more positive and 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 joyful to be around under Ange like if we're feeling that obviously the players are feeling that so there's more belief and trust and like I don't know short answer is long way to go but still a lot of those underlying statistics and, and things we've seen um, and immeasurables or, or unquantifiables also seem a lot better. Like uh, leading the league in shots, shots on target. Um, he passes, passes inside the box, progressive pass passes. And this is a hundred percent of cherry pick list just to showing all the things that Spurs are top of the table at. Um, and so a lot of those things are, are really encouraging and just the possession as well. So again, we know that possession doesn't know automatically lead to, to wins in today's game, but, um, it helps. I think, well, <laughs> positive things. Yeah. It, those are all really, really good statistics that could say, Hey, this, 
this could last more, right? Nuno was top of the table on the strength of three, one nil wins after three matches that clearly felt not sustainable at that point. It's not that much larger of a sample size than three matches is eight matches, but it feels, it feels different for a number of reasons. Yeah. I mean, I think going into the Luton game, one of the things that we talked about is the fact that our starts to the season um, was actually identical to our start last season. And obviously one of the things that we talked a lot about last year was like, we're winning somehow, but it doesn't feel sustainable. And sure enough, it it, it was not, it, it fell up. It fell apart in famous fashion that I don't feel the need or want to rehash, but the way that last season started, even though we were picking up points, it, it didn't, it was very negative football. And you didn't really walk away from a lot of those games feeling like we were even the better side. It was just like, yeah, I guess we won the game somehow. Maybe they'll figure it out eventually. And it actually ended up getting worse. I feel like if I'm looking at the results that we've had, eight games played, six wins, two draws, but even looking at each of the specific matches, I can't pick or identify any of these eight matches where I could say, Spurs just didn't play well. Like there isn't there isn't a game that I feel like we stole. There isn't a game that I feel like we probably should have lost, but we won somehow anyway. The only game that you could say we probably didn't really have a strong performance is was it was in that Carabao Cup match, and we did lose that one. And that was also a very heavily rotated team. So I think to your point, a part of it is yes, being top of the table, picking up the points, but I think it's also the fact that like we actually look like a good football team. Like we actually like, we look like we know what we're doing. There's a lot fewer moments of like, Oh my God, like what the hell happened there? Basuma had one uh, this week, which we will get to, but even the way that they responded to that was completely different than the complete capitulation that we saw so often under Jose. And I think one of the things that came out of his tenure specifically not even to speak of Conte, but with Mourinho's uh, tenure at Spurs, I feel like there was so much of players playing out of fear. Um, if I don't do this thing, if I don't stop this goal, if I don't get the ball back, um, I'm going to get benched. I'm going to get pilloried. He's going to talk about me to the press. He's not going to play me for the next five matches. And I think that sense of like that 90s style of motivation right like the I think Jose is is of a he's of a past generation where you could kind of like you know that tough love generation which we know does not work with Gen X or Gen Z rather um that's just that's just not the way that the modern footballer works I don't think I think that can maybe work in certain specific situations but um I think the problem with that is that guys are a lot more unlikely to try things because they're always scared of doing the wrong thing. Um, Conte was similar in the fact that one of the the common words or phrases that came out of his tenure was like automations, right? Like they kept talking about his coaching style being around these automations. And if you're this player, you need to be in this position. You need to do this thing and almost like drilling down players to become like these little mini robots for him. And again, that 
stifles their freedom and their creativity. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's it's only sustainable for so long. And I think that's the reason that guys like Jose and 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 Conte don't stay at most of their teams for very long because it's just not a sustainable way to 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 coach, I don't think. Yeah, and I think everybody and obviously Throughout all sports, a manager's got to fit his personnel and a personnel's got to fit to the manager. So that's why, you know, when there's a new manager, it's like, okay, let's let's give this person some windows to get the people in because there are definitely types of players that are going to, even in today's game, there are going to be types of players that are going to do better and um, be more effective when they have that very strict, you know, if X happens, I do Y. If B happens, I do C, those kinds of things. But you know, because you can't just have a wildly free. Hey, guys, just go out there and kick the ball around and see what happens, right? There's even a system that... But Ted, that Ted Lasso system. Right, but that <laughs> is, you know, Ange's his philosophy, it does allow for more of that creativity, and it does, you know, to your point, give... It's that that thing you hear a lot, but that Tottenham DNA um, to dares to do and and those kind of things and, like, and, and belief and, like, you know go forward and you're going to learn from the mistakes and those kind of things. But it's, it's a lot more, uh, again, it's also a lot more carrot oriented than stick oriented to, to, you know, put it another way, what you're saying about Jose and Conte of like the, well, if I have this up, then this will happen kind of a thing. Um, I even just think about like workplace management, right? Like I think one of the things that I hate personally, um, and something I've tried not to do as a manager is to micromanage. Right. I think I think the automation style that that Conte uses is very much a micromanagement style where, where of course, any manager, or any coach is going to have certain guidelines, certain things that they're going to say, like, hey, you need to do this thing. Right. Like you're going to have certain deliverables in the workplace. But the way that you manage and the way that you tell people to do those things can vastly, vastly different. I've yeah. also had I've I've also had some managers in 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 my work experience who undermanaged right like it was kind of it was it was a little bit of a free for all I'm like I don't even really know what I'm supposed to be doing um, I don't think that Ange is that either but I think that there's a balance that I think some gaffers have a hard time striking. Conte's you know situation if you think about right like you need and Mourinho and, and managers of that ilk like you you can have success both of these ways but it was a little bit more of like a um this isn't the best metaphor but it's what I'm thinking of now it's a little bit more of like a like an Olympic sized swimming pool that has the lanes and everyone's like you've got all of your roles when this happens you've got to stay in this lane there's not a whole lot of of room for you to go somewhere else um whereas the opposite end of that would just be a free a free swim in an ocean or a, a lake where there's no barriers and you can do whatever you want and that's not Ange, but there's there's the lanes are wider for Ange, and it's like hey if this doesn't work if there's some traffic here you can go into there's there's another area that you can go into here so it allows for that creativity um that uh you know the Gen Z generation absolutely loves to have whether whatever kind of work you're doing, but there's, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's a little bit more like suggestions and templates and allowing for the creativity rather than like hard and fast rules to stick by. And that's been tremendous for the the team that we've got here. Now, I think the other part that's encouraging too, is like, we've got plenty of complaints about Richarlson, Benson who, 
may have been the player of the season last year if he if, if he didn't get hurt when he did is going to be coming back soon and sliding into that uh midfield rotation um, you forgot about harry kane that quickly huh well i'm just saying like so like there's, there's <laughs> stuff like that like there's well, like Vindicor was on was playing incredible last year. So he was, he was. That's part of it is like the other part. I got his was, shirt. I mean, he was amazing last year. Yeah, the, the, the other part that encouraged me about why this is sustainable and, and Spurs can continue to be fighting for uh, a title or fighting for a good spot in that top four, top five is because um there's again that also like, yeah, I can't be too optimistic and just say, Oh wow, we're playing this well. And then Imagine where Charleston gets going. Imagine Valise gets a gets a, a good you know run in the Premier League and starts from doing some things, um, you know. Uh, and let's see when Benzikor comes back because that means that everyone else is also still playing at that same level, which is not going to be the case. But there's still some you know uh, uh, reserves that are going to be able to to come in and, and potentially help us. So um, yeah, it's just it's just so much more fun. It's just so much more fun this season, and it's been it's it's feeling like there's going to be. Uh, um again there's going to be a a downtime we're not just gonna we're not gonna go invincible yeah. and uh and finish the season you know uh 28 wins and 10 draws and and walk to a, a championship that's now obviously not going to happen so um there's going to be a dark time but uh, um i don't well, know me, what what that looks like you know yet let me ask you this because i think some fans are getting a little carried away with like the, you know, where we're in the title race and stuff like that, which, you know, more power to them as a fan. You're, you're well within your rights to dream. And that's something that Ange has even encouraged us to do. So Ange literally said dream. So we're doing what he said. Um, I still don't really see us as title contenders for me. I still think it's city's title to lose. I see Liverpool as their biggest threat right now. And Arsenal's probably third. With that said, though, if we keep playing the way that we're playing right now and picking up points the way that we are, at what point in the season would you look and say, like, you know what? We actually kind of are in the title race. Because I I do feel like middle of October is probably a little bit too early. Yeah. But, like, at what point would you, like, start to actually think, like, hey, we can – have a shot at this thing. Because I will say, before you even answer, I do think even just based on the way we've started the season, the way that the players are playing, the way that Ange is coaching, I think we have a legitimate shot at top four where I would not have said that when the season started. So that is probably the the limit of my optimism at this point is like, if we start the season this way and at the end of the season, we're not in the top four, conversation that would probably disappoint me a little bit um whereas i don't seriously think we're gonna finish first but yeah so at what point would you say like you know what we actually might win this whole thing yeah i think i'm trying to think a couple years ago when we were when we were top of the table in late november early december i think i said around valentine's day and that was also related to what the schedule and who we were playing and then and that sort of thing you know, I think so. I don't know if there's a number, but I'd say you got to get at least past the halfway point. So whatever, you know, at the earliest, so like 20 games. Yeah. But I think probably, you know, probably reasonably more closer to that two thirds point. So, you know, 20, match week 25, 26, somewhere around there. I think the one, you know, challenge, uh, you know, this year 
um, is that like it is an absolute, you know, late in the year, we have a, an absolute gauntlet. I don't know what match weeks these are, but but um, April 13th at Newcastle, April 20th versus City. That's a win because obviously City can't score it at, uh, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Never. Um, uh, 27th, Arsenal at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And then May 4th at, uh, at Liverpool. I want to say that's something like uh, match weeks like it's 33 through 36. Yeah. So like that, that's, that is going to be a trial by fire. So you could be reasonably saying we are in the um, title race by match week 25. And you could also be out of it depending on how those four or five matches go by match week 35, because that's, that's an absolute gauntlet um uh there so yeah i think to, well that, say, that would be earning it for sure i mean yeah 25 is the um 25 is matching 25 is going to be my uh, my final answer regis and say uh that'll be it. that's two-thirds of the season you know who you are um especially probably around that point is when people are are starting the, the ones that are we expect city and and uh to be deep in in, in uh, champions league at that point and have some distractions though they've obviously managed a squad well through multiple competitions through over the years. Liverpool, I would assume, is going to run through Europa as well and be yeah. um, looking at some some knockouts, uh, you know, around uh, around that point as well. So, um, yeah, match week twenty five, I think we'll have we'll be able to to reasonably say, hey, we're in it or or we're not in terms of the title. I think right now is early enough, you know, barring some unforeseen injuries or things like that, that we are in the top four, top five race, uh, you know, one hundred percent. Talk Not about 100% top four, but 100% in the in that race. Right. Of course. Of course. Um, all right. Luton Town zero. Tottenham Hotspur one. And Mickey scores his first Prem League goal. And I, and I would imagine that at some point between now and the end of the break, um, Richarlison will be buying a very nice gift for Mickey Vandeven because he is the only reason that Richarlison was not the headline of that game. Yeah. Missing two very clear big chances. The first one was just touch the ball and it goes into the back of the net. Somehow he managed not to. Second one's a one-on-one with the keeper that he just places in a place that you would expect a Premier League striker not to place it. It gets saved. And we very easily could have been 2-0 2-0 up in the first six minutes. I know that he started the season poorly. Last year, there was a lot of conversation about maybe he's not getting enough consistent playing time. Conte was kind of playing him, then not playing him. He was getting spot minutes. He started at number nine to begin the season, was not really doing it. Sonny replaced him, bang, bang, bang. And at this point, it's starting to feel... I don't know. I'm going to ask you, since you're the optimist of this podcast, are you still holding out hope for this guy? Have you given up? What is what are you expecting from him moving forward? No, I'm not. Uh, obviously, I'm still on uh, on team uh, on team Richie. Um, I think he obviously you got to you got to get those like those were those were very bad, um, very bad misses. Uh, no no excuses um, from uh, from the Richarlison stand on the pod here. So I think like, while those were awful, you know, you look at 
um, you know, his last uh, his last couple games, like, you know, didn't, you know, only played uh, subbed on at, at Arsenal, didn't have uh, have much of an impact. I think just a, a shot on target. Um, but Sheffield, man of the match, the reason that we that we won that game um, in it's qualified as 11 minutes, though he probably played closer to like 20 just because the it only counts for the the, the 11 minutes of regulation. Um, and then had an assist uh, at Liverpool. So, um, you know, he's played still not even with those recent contributions. He's still looking at around 600 minutes this season, two goals, two assists. But within the last last four matches, he's played, like I said, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, full 90 and a 45. And he's got uh, a goal and two assists, right? He's there for goals, not as much assists, but... Um, you know, a shockingly couple of bad misses in the last one, but, but still contributing, you know, in, in, in some of those, like where, yes, the, he would have been the main man while we lost the um, Luton town match had Mickey not saved, saved us. He was the main reason that we, that we won the Sheffield match. Um, so uh, yeah, again, I, I don't have the the freaking answer on on like uh, or recipe of like, oh yeah, here's what's going to happen. And it's going to make him him contribute, but you don't. We that's what we need. We need the answer. We need I the think, recipe. Somebody please provide it for us. Yeah, he's still. I, I still feel encouraged. Um, I think like there's, you know, you, you obviously married to a sports psychologist. Mental health is. A, a huge part of sports uh, and even just on the surface levels of, of mental health, not to say that there's anything else deeper going on necessarily with, with him, but which he's talked about that there is, but you don't go from, you know, despondent that, that, that screenshot that was all over um, soccer internet when he was the last international break um, where he was, you know, in tears in the sidelines after getting subbed, after missing some chances for Brazil. And then all of a sudden you're hundred percent right. Confidence is such a key part of all sports, especially soccer, especially for a striker um, where, you know, an attacker attacking player like him. So I think it's going to take him some time to, to get right there and uh, great that, that Ange and, and the, and the club and the fans have backed him there. So um, yeah, I, I think that, I'd look to him as, as definitely, we still need more from him, obviously, but he's shown more in the early parts of this year on the good side than he had, you know, in his entire year last season, outside of the, the, the two, uh, that banger brace that he had against Marseille or whoever we yeah. really on last year. Marseille. Um, I mean, you're, you're obviously surprise, surprise, way more optimistic than I am at this point. I do agree with the fact that like he has contributed. Obviously, the Sheffield game is is the shining example of that. But uh, a a goal and two assists after eight matches is by no means an awful output. I think the concern for me is the fact that you know we'll obviously need him to score goals for us. Uh, right now, we have been kind of doing it by committee. Uh, Sonny is is responsible for a lot of it. Uh, right now he's got six of our goals. Romero's got two. Kulisevsky's got two. Madison has two, and then nobody else has more than one. So it's early days. He could still finish with ten and ten for all I know. Yeah, I think 
my bigger concern and 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 why I'm a little nervous about the future prospect of him being able to be a productive scorer is the fact that he seems to only be able to score with his head. <laughs> um, and he just has shown a lot of inconsistency with the ball at his feet, both as a scorer um, as well as just in hold-up play. And I don't remember – and this is possibly because I wasn't watching him as closely when he was at Everton, but I just don't remember that being such a concern when he was there. Um, and again, like maybe I just wasn't paying attention to it as much because he wasn't one of our players. And so I, I do wonder like how much of that is, oh, he's just not there mentally versus like, oh, he just doesn't have that skill set. And like, I just don't know if that's something that he's going to be able to develop between now and April or if it's just something that he doesn't have. Particular Of particular concern is the fact that our best crosser of the ball is out for the season. So if if he's only going to score with his head, who's going to be whipping those, those passes into him again? Like I said, he's saved by the fact that we got the goal. We won the game. We are winning games pretty consistently up to this point. Um, but when that rough patch comes that we know it, it inevitably will, I do. I'm almost nervous for him <laughs> because I do feel like, if we start dropping points or if we start losing close games and he's still having difficulty scoring that a lot of that blame is going to fall on his shoulders. I'm worried about his mental health. If, and when that happens Um, again, it's not proven to be a major concern right now because of where we are. We're first in the, in the, in the league, but I am not as, as confident as you are that he's going to figure it out. And I do think that I think we need to go into January and find somebody who's going to be able to consistently score. Um, yeah, I think we get just Valise, yeah, we got to get a Valise little run to see what what. Yeah, he yeah, is yeah. Up. And Brennan Johnson as well. Like those are there were two of the guys that, you know, Brennan more immediately um, was, you know, meant to be the, the Richie um, uh, competition, you know, uh, Valise a little bit, you know, more longer term. But yeah, that's right, because he's playing now because Brennan is hurt. Yes. Um, and, and he's supposed to be back for Fulham. So I, I it would be interested to see if Ange sticks with Richie or if he goes back to Brennan um, after the break. Yeah, seeing both of them getting some run, um, you know, in the next couple of months will be critical so that we can kind of get a better idea of, OK, great. We might have that, you know, uh, some scoring depth or options, you know, besides Richie in-house or do we need to, you know, and then cool, we can just, you know, bring something you know, bring someone another piece of competition in, or do we need to say, oh, we need to go out and get somebody like big. I think that'll be helpful to, to find out. And, and the last piece, I think on the Richarlison thing, we can switch to another topic, but I think like the biggest thing is he was the guy at Everton, the focal point of the attack, the the best attacking player, you know, like I, they had some other guys there at different times. And, you know, I would say what, like who DCL most notably, but he was, you know, hurt every you know for a month every he's, other he's month. always he's still always hurt being the guy at the club where everything is is working around you versus now you're another one of the attack like that impacts both like 
where it was all probably structured around get Richarlison in some dangerous spaces, et cetera, et cetera. Let's get, you know, let's, let's have him as the focal point of the attack as well as the mental part. Like obviously he consented. He wanted to come to Spurs. He wanted to be here, but that's another he wanted to play in champions league. Yeah. When you, mean, let's when be you, honest. Like, when you're the Everton guy, is probably going to be relegated. If not this year, then at some point in the next three years. Yeah. But like going from the guy, both as the, the, the on-field results and statistics and those kind of things to being one of the guys, as well as like the mental part about it when you're like, hey, I've got to do this versus like, not that he's like, oh, I don't have to score. Everyone else will score. Not that he's got that kind of a mindset, but like going from, I mean, you see it in different in different sports, I think probably most notably sometimes in in the NBA where like, you know, not that he's Sharif Abdul-Rahim, but that's the first name that comes to mind. But like, there are guys, you know, Rudy Gay, whoever, who are have been had good statistical times when they are the guy on a not very good team versus when they get folded into a good team and they're the third option, the fourth option, the fifth option, whatever. Right. Of course, their statistics are going to to suffer, um, but also like what that kind of can do to you potentially mentally, where it's like, you know, I'm not everything's not being served everyone else is not here to to serve me the opportunity to score goals um so. actually really love the sharif abdul rahim shout so uh, <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna really go over the heads of, of folks that don't watch basketball because that's not a name you would know but that's actually, that's actually not a bad comparison um yeah i mean that's definitely a thing because i also feel like you know to to the point of your comparison he's obviously going to be getting a lot fewer looks so it's as you know, it's not as if I'm gonna get the ball in a good space eight times and I gotta bang in one of them. Like you might only get it three times. Yeah. And so those those misses are a little bit more glaring because you're not gonna get five more after it. Right. We'll see what happens with Richie. Um I hope you're right. That's all I'll say. Yeah, <laughs> I'm this this guy is yeah, I I get really frustrated watching him. Um, and I, you know, I would I would love for him to turn it around. I just I just don't know that I see it. As for the Luton game, um, obviously the big event of the match was it was right at the end of the first half, in the midst of stoppage time, about a minute before we go back into the locker room, and Eve Basuma picks up his second yellow and gets sent off for diving. A really bad dive too, especially after you see the replay. It's a, it's it's uh it's one of those what was he thinking dives. And of course, at halftime, it's it's banter city. It's they got away with one at Liverpool. Now look at them. This is yeah. what this is what they get. This is karma. And it was kind of ironic, I guess, that that happened right after the Liverpool game, which to be clear, both of those. Liverpool red cards were 100% warranted. Um, but I think, you know, after they had that goal that should have counted, there was a lot of conversation about referees and VAR and XYZ. So, you know, in the Liverpool game, we had a lot of difficulty scoring against 10 and then nine men. We found a goal at the end of the game that actually was an own goal. And there was some conversation that we had on the pod about, you know, was it maybe even harder for us to score when the game wasn't 11 v 11 and 
the irony, I guess, within all of that is that we scored very quickly once the second half started when we were down to 10 men. Um, so it's 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 one of those weird situations where it's like we we struggled to play against 10 men. Um, and then we actually found a way to score when we had 10 men. So what I don't what is that about? I don't know what to make of it. Is it is it just easier to play football with with, with 10 men? What is that? What does that mean? I mean, I think the other thing too is, and obviously nine's different than than ten, but like Liverpool have played well. They've had more red cards, I think, already this year than they had like any year previously, and and maybe even honestly in, in all of the years of Jurgen Klopp's managing in, in previous things. I think I saw the statistic, but they've played well with ten men um, before this year. That's also a a lot more continuity, a lot uh, both in the system, the coach, the the players there as well. So. Not that they'd prefer to play with 10 men, but it was kind of a running joke in one of my group chats where, where there's a Liverpool fan um, that he was just like, oh, great. You Liverpool is down to 10. They've already, I think, I think they've come from behind to win when they're being down 10 earlier this year. And I think they were even and and, and, and scored the winner down 10. Like they've done it twice before. So um, that of all the, of all the programs or of all the, the clubs and, and systems that would that be, could give you a decent shot being down 10, it's probably City and Liverpool, both for the talent that they have and the systems and the continuity that they've had with players and, and coach and style and that kind of thing for a while. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, for us, I, I can't remember a ton of times where Spurs have had um, success being down a man. Uh, not that Luton was a was a, a huge success, but even scoring a goal there. So that was that was encouraging to, to see. It was on, I think, what, the third corner back to back to back. And this one, I don't. It looked like Matters was trying to run over to take it, um, and we were like, I think Decky was like, "No, let's just take this quick and get it rolling," and then and then uh, you know got things moving pretty quickly. So, I think that's um, yeah. It can definitely be almost maybe you get. I don't think this is the case that we that we we were doing against Liverpool because sometimes you see when you've got that man advantage, you're just like, "Yo, let it fly." Um, like I remember again, another basketball obscure reference here, but um, Steve Novak for the New York Knicks was um, statistically Just double check, baby. And vibe check was like one of the worst defenders um, in the league. But then people, he ended up being a plus defender. When you look at some of the, the advanced stats, but basically like of shooting percentage against Steve Novak was actually lower than when those players were playing against everyone else because they were like, oh, Steve Novak's on me. I'm going to shoot a shot I might not normally shoot, or I think I've got this, the, the space to do it because he stinks. So I don't think that's what Spurs were doing as much against Liverpool when they were up 11-10, 11-9, like where you're just like, hey, let it fly because we can, we have the defense, we have the offensive advantage like people used to against Steve Novak. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it was the the, the Liverpool thing was was a pickle, but um, it was nice to see us still not fully on the front foot, but but still pushing forward and creating those chances. Um, and I mean, Luton, they spent, I think, 17 million or something, I think, after they came up. It looks like they're just here for the vibes for one season. They're going to head right back down. So <laughs> yeah. they still just didn't have the the quality um, to uh, to do a whole lot. I mean, there was a couple chances. It's like the complete opposite of what Nottingham Forest did last year. Yeah, like they just did not have the opportunity. They did not have the – it was like a couple of them were like, oh, like they had a couple decent chances. Well, they had a huge chance yeah. right and at the like, beginning of the second half that they 
absolutely should have scored. And it almost felt like, okay, like we had ours with Richie, they had theirs and now we're even like all, all told this probably should have been a two, one game instead of uh one nil. Yeah. And that was one of those where it's like, wow, how do you miss that? It's like, Oh, right. Probably with full respect to those guys. Cause they obviously played well enough to get promoted but it's like now we're also looking like you just said Richie misses those and he is a Premier League player where you're looking like, oh, that's probably a, a championship level player um, like that's that those are not misses that typically you're going to see from a, a mid table or even a top you know, or a top table or even a mid table kind of Premier League team. But you see that from from a, a, a team like Luton. So, um, yeah, and again, impressed with the the this was a this was not a comeback because it was even, but it was a comeback in the sense that we were a man down. Um, and so seeing that, you know, happen was, was pretty cool. And just another, another, you know, uh, chapter in the narrative this year that, you know, Spurs are able to come back, you know, from some more of this adversity that they, that they may not have been in the past. You mentioned the defense who was able to keep a clean sheet and, a lot of the man of the match honors was going to Christian Romero, who's just been excellent. Him and Van de Ven in that back line. Um, I personally thought the man of the match was Kulusevsky. Um, Not so much for the defensive side, but just his constant pressure on Luton. Um, we were still actively trying to maintain possession despite being down a man. I think he had a lot to do with that, especially yeah. with Basuma not, no longer being on the pitch. Um, he looked really good just in terms of winning the ball, carrying the ball, being progressive. And it, it looked like the old Kulisevsky, even though he didn't score assist. It, um, I was really impressed by his performance. Curious to know who you had as the man of the match or anyone that jumped out or impressed you in the game. Yeah, I think those are all good shouts. I think it's easy also to say Mickey, cause he, he felt like he had a good defensive game as well as scoring the goal. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Gun in my head. I think, I think I go Mickey because he ended up be, having the, having the difference. And it's not as if we like fully parked the bus after getting up the goal. No. There in the 52nd, 53rd. So we, you know, there were other opportunities that we were trying to go forward and nobody else was able to, to get one through except for, uh, except for Mickey there. So I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't see any arguments or I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't um, um, tell anyone they're crazy. Cause like, like you said, uh, Kulisevsky was tireless work rate um, was pushing it forward, was, was, was getting back defensively as well. Um, I think and Romero- Mickey's just a bullet man. Like that yeah. kid is just, he's everywhere. And, and we knew that based on, you know, some of the videos that came out after we signed him or even before we signed him. I was seeing videos all over the place in the summer of this kid just like running all over the place uh, for Wolfsburg. But I think now seeing it week in and week out and the way that we play, especially with the inverted wingbacks, you need your center backs to cover a lot of space and to make recoveries when your wingbacks are out of position. And I feel like he's 100% living up to the billing, living up to the fee that we paid for him. Um, and him and Romero seem to have really just created this really convenient symbiotic partnership really quickly, which is, I think, phenomenal. <laughs> this, you know, the, the fact that it's only been eight games and it feels like these guys are in sync with each other 
is kind of crazy. Yeah, I think that you you mentioned just kind of regular workplace stuff that that most of the pod listeners can relate to as well. Like, and I've had those experiences where, yeah, it's still a workplace and you're still working together with people. It's a different kind of obviously higher level if you're doing it as two center backs on a on a top Premier League team than you know doing the jobs that we might do. But like, I've had those experiences before where where I've been, you know, there's a guy that uh, I'm friends with that I also uh, have such a terrific our skill sets match perfectly together. He's, he's a creative director. I'm a marketer and they just, we like our skill sets match perfectly together. So I think those kinds of things, you know, if you've had that before at a workplace where it's just like, wait a second, or maybe even a personal life where you're just like, you know, somebody that that's a, that's a new friend that you're like, we're on the same freaking wavelength. And they just, you just match, you mesh really well because your skill sets match whatever the, the, the way you play together, the way you work together, those kind of things. But like a buddy I had in mind, I'm talking about is Adam, this creative director. And just like, we started working together and it was instant. Like, wow, we're being incredibly creative, incredibly productive, creating high, high levels of work product, even though we, we don't know all of the things, but just, it's just like a good match. So that's a, maybe a little bit of luck, maybe a little bit of, of credit to the the recruitment and and signing, whether it's Papa Paratici or whoever else to be knowing that like, Hey, this is their styles and personalities are going to work really, really well together because yeah, there's not a, a Spurs optimist and I'm at the, you know, one of the, uh, the president of the Spurs optimist club. There's no other of our members that were like, yeah, that, that, that Mickey and, and Christian are going to be, you know, betting in and connecting that well, this fast. But yeah, like you said, seeing it on a, on a week by week basis. And I heard a staff during the Luton game. They said that, I don't know how they, they checked the statistic where they said that Mickey was the eighth fastest player in the Bundesliga last year. I don't know if that's top sprint speed or average sprint speed or what, but um, seeing someone that's that, you know, that size and that strong, that's also can freaking haul that quickly. Um, obviously big in a different way than uh, Adama Traore, but just weird to see like a dude that's that big, that's also able to, yeah. to track back that fast. It's it's like a rare and very important skill set to, to have or, or traits to have of just freaking have absolute wheels, but also plenty of muscle. You usually don't think of the fastest players on the team being center backs, <laughs> especially not any of the center backs that have played for us. Um, you know, we've we've had players like Sonny and, we, you know, we've I mean, Trips was pretty fast um, or Danny Rose was. Yeah, but but they, still, they also that's played the on the side. That's not a center yeah. back is not what you think to be. This is going to be our, our blazing fast dude. Um, speaking of the fullbacks, I, I feel like the underrated under the radar member of that back four has been Pedro Poro. And he's actually been really good. Like, I feel like Udogi is a stud. Our center backs are amazing. And I think after last season ended, we didn't really know what to expect from him. Um, If you could go back to the beginning of the season, he actually did not start. Emerson started against um, Brentford. Um, but once he started playing, he hasn't stopped. And and Emerson um, has not started a game since, I don't think. So um, I think defensively, there was a lot of questions about how good he was going to be. And he's actually, like, really stepped up. Uh, I think he's better a defender than most fans even re- recognize that he could be. I'd like to see him probably take some free kicks. 
Because I feel like that was something that that looked like something he was going to be able to do when yeah. we signed him last year, but we haven't really seen him do it yet this season. So I would, I mean, I I understand we have Madison now, and that probably changes things. But I would like to see him behind the ball and some free kicks. But I think going forward, he's been great. But then just some of the defensive plays that he's made this season have really surprised and 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 just the passion too. Like just, I feel like he's excited about making stops and he's like you could see him getting into yeah. it yelling at the crowd and just like oh like this guy's a proper defender now like that was not who we thought we signed uh last year so shout out to pedro poro um catching us all by surprise and being like a really valuable member of that back line yeah i think he's been he's been strong there was was it was it the opening game there was one i feel like against the red team where he just got completely like clowned on and we gave up a goal. Uh, but I feel like it was early in the season where someone just like spun, put him in the spin cycle and just ran past him early on. But well, we've, we've had a few red teams. Right. That's like, <laughs> Brentford was the first one. Uh, United did not score. Burnmouth did not score. Uh, Sheffield scored once and we beat them two one. Maybe it was Sheffield. Yeah. Sheffield um, and- or Brentford. It just felt like he got just completely spin cycled and someone scored. But like, yeah, it was, it was, he, he's been, he's been really good um, other than that. And um, yeah, I mean, there's not been, you know, again, like we, there hasn't been anybody that's like, man, we really got to get this guy out of there. We've, we've had our complaints about Richie, but like I said, he also is the reason that we won, you know, uh, that, that, that awesome game against Sheffield late. So um, there's not been anybody, especially as, as questionable as our, our, backline has been in the past um it's been nice to, to see i do miss the emerson um seeing emerson out there sometimes um uh but i, I think, miss yeah. the mixtapes i miss the, i miss the comp videos he's not getting enough minutes so he can't put together his comps the last right. comp video he put out was his uh his girlfriend giving birth that's not that's not what we want to see that's definitely not what we want to see we want to see we want to see the no look passes we want to see the uh you know emerson saucing people up and winning the ball back so if for nothing else, I mean, Poro's great. Don't get me wrong. But I think, Ange, we got to get like 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there, just so we could get footage for the comp, if for, if for no other reason. For no other reason than the content. I think the one thing that um, uh, obviously like not, he's often, you know, one of our weakest players in the 11 at, at times. But I just had a realization when Ben Davies came on, if you just look at his face, he looks like he should be a referee or a line judge. <laughs> just like the way he does his hair, the way everything, just like his expression. He just looks like, like, it's like, I saw his quick face and I was like, oh, that referee looks like Ben Davies. And I was like, oh, no, that is Ben Davies. He's coming on as a <laughs> He's not about to hold up the sign. And it was just like a split second thought. And I was like, he kind of does look like that. But um, Daddy uh, Davis. Uh, yeah. But no, I mean, it's it's been, it's a good time to be a, a Tottenham fan. Last note on Luton, uh, you mentioned that despite them being up a man, they still had a hard time scoring. You know, their players are probably not up to the level. They have six goals on the season. We have 18, so they've scored a third as many goals as we have. Um, Quick trivia question. Spurs have 18 goals on the season. Do you know who is leading the Premier League in goals scored? Oh, boy. Um, I'll give you I'll give you a clue that won't help you at all. They have 21 goals. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess 
because there's only been eight matches, I'm going to guess Newcastle just because didn't they beat someone like 8-1 or... That is a really good guess. Newcastle is in second with on goals scored with 20 goals. Ugh. 21 goals scored, Brighton and Hove Albion. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, they had a couple of big wins early. Like yeah. A 0 and a 5-0 or a 4-0 and a 4-0 or something like that, so... Yeah, Deserby's got those guys flying, and they they've got some uh we've got some interesting matches for match week nine. Arsenal play Chelsea, City play Brighton, Villa and West Ham. That should be interesting as well. And then Spurs are in a London derby with Fulham. Um, Fulham is currently 12th in the table. They've got three wins, two draws, and three losses. They look like they've kind of taken a step back from last year. I feel like, um, I mean, part of that is the fact that Mitrovic is no longer there. Um, but they just look really disjointed. I was watching their game against Chelsea uh, a couple weeks back in, in match week seven, and they just look bad. They, did, they look like they didn't have much of a clue. They are coming off of a win against Sheffield, which is a team that most teams will beat this year, um, where they scored three goals. So... Maybe a little bit of confidence coming into that game on the 23rd, which is going to be um, our first of two Monday matches, I believe. We've got a it's Monday, a Monday then a Friday, then another Monday. So Monday the 23rd, I think this is obviously going to be the last game of match week nine because everybody else will have played over the weekend. It's going to be a home match. Tottenham Hotspur at home. The crowd behind us. And depending on how some of those matches go, who knows who will be in first by the time we play again. What do you think of for this game? What predictions do you have? Another interesting thing, too, is you got we got three straight derbies. Um, yeah, so that's right. Boys aren't leaving London until... Uh, Fulham, Palace, Chelsea, and then we've got a 7.30 a.m. game against Wolves. On November 11th. So, yeah, long time in London. Um, yeah, I think Wolves, I feel, or sorry, um, Fulham's always been tough. Obviously, uh, a, a regulation draw that we lost in, in penalties. Um, so we owed them the smoke, basically. Yeah, I, but I don't know if we've, we, we haven't, we haven't really ever like smoked them in, in my memory. I feel like it's often like 1 0, um, 2 1, those kind of things. I remember there was a, who was it? Harry Winks had a late, late winner. Maybe Harry Winks' first goal was a late winner at Craven Cottage. Um, I remember watching that. Um, in the back of a good friend of mine's wedding, there was me and two other Spurs fans were at the wedding, and we had it on my phone. And I watched the Harry Winks winner at Craven Cottage late, and we're just trying to like subdue our our fist pumps out of respect of the nuptials. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm gonna call I'm gonna call it a two one. I know that's been kind of our our guess of the of the moment. I feel like the last couple. Um, time. It's, a, it's but, a nice, safe football score. Two one yeah. is is kind of it's right down the middle. It's nice and consistent. Um, That's literally looking, been my last three predictions: two one, two one, two one. So maybe it was right against Liverpool, um, and maybe it'll be. Uh, you no, know I'm gonna, I'm gonna go clean sheet FC. I'm gonna say I'm gonna change that to two zero. I like it. Um, looking at our history of our games against Fulham, just looking at the last few matches. To your point. Um, last year we beat them twice, uh, one nil on the road and two one at home. And the season before that, um, we beat them one nil on the road and then drew one one at home. So it's not been a lot of goals in this matchup. 
Um, and then even in the Carabao Cup that we played, it was a 1-1 draw going into PKs. So I don't know really what to expect from this game because, like I said, they just haven't been playing well. I do think that they that we should beat them, um, especially with us going back home. I know that the fan base right now is just we're in heaven. Like everybody's having a great time. Everybody's going to be excited to to see Spurs again, especially after the break. So I I imagine that the home crowd will get behind them and will give them the the energy that we need. I I also see two goals. I don't see us getting to three. You know, I'm going to I'm going to steal your pick and I'm going to go 2-1. I'm going to go 2-1 Spurs. All right. So there we go. Um the break will be over soon enough. <laughs> um we'll probably be on a bit of a break until after the full of match but if you have thoughts and questions for the match if you want to reach out to us or just ask us something um maybe even non-football related if you just want to see us uh answer some goofy questions on the next pod let us know we can be followed on social media at coys us podcast that's on twitter and on instagram any final thoughts it's a good time Get on, get in, get in. And now if you're looking for, not that you'd be looking for a Premier League team if you're listening to this um, <laughs> podcast. Who knows? Maybe some, maybe somebody's scouting. But yeah. just clicking on some random pods and they're like, eh, I like Toys R Us. Maybe I'll see what this podcast is yeah, about. Yeah, just tell a friend. Now's the time to get out to, to be a Spurs fan. I just, it's, I'm, I'm in such a weird space that the, the, um, as a my American my NFL team is is the Miami Dolphins and both just uh, Dolphins one year prior, but brought in a great offensive mind that is just also relentlessly positive and taking the NFL edge, yeah, and just taking guys that you know and a team that has historically not been that good and and it's just like just weird that my Saturdays and Sundays are full of an awesome result from Tottenham, an awesome result from the dolphins and then being the talk of the league of, wow, look at what these guys are doing. It's just a weird feeling for me because I've had plenty of success as a Yankees fan. Um, but like soccer and, and football, football and football have not been my, my uh, teams haven't been that, that great. So it's a, it's a weird and fun time, but um Yeah. Uh, you never know how long the joy will last so make sure you enjoy it while it's here (laughs) yeah there you go come on you spurs 